welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I'm Joey Pasco, joined as always by Ruben Bressler. The reanimated corpse of Ruben Bressler. Yes, that. By the way. <laughs> yeah. And Matt Cranstuber. How's it going? Hopefully not feeling too corpsey, Matt. Not feeling corpsey. Awesome. So Ruben, Ruben has kept his distance uh, at a solid 600 miles away. Yeah, safe from the, the zombie Ruben. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever heard corpse used as an adjective before, but sure. All kinds of firsts. <laughs> yeah, all kinds yeah, of firsts. Ru- rumors, rumors of my death have been, well, I guess not greatly exaggerated, slightly exaggerated. Um, I was in the hospital uh, for food poisoning. Uh, I am better now. So, Excellent. But I didn't get to go to Chicago. Sorry, I don't have uh, stories to regale you with of my... Of my uh, time playing. What I would have played was uh, pretty much Ari Lax's list. I got a list from Alex Binnick on uh, Facebook. And uh, it would have been very similar. And so I don't know how it would have done. Because uh, Infect was the right deck to play if you wanted to top 32. Um, but not if you wanted to top 8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, apparently not. We'll, we'll get we'll to get that, that later. Exactly. We'll get into that. We'll get into the, uh, the action from... From Dallas, where the Star City Games Open Series was this past weekend. Uh, but first, of course, In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And this coming weekend, the Open Series comes to Seattle, Washington, with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCGLive.com and catch Patrick Sullivan and Cedric Phillips with Zombie Ruben Bressler in the side. That's right. <laughs> bringing you all the action. Twitter hashtag for this weekend is SCGSEA, SCGC. Uh, so you can use that to join in the discussion. And if you can't make it out, you can be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing. And that is StarCityGames.com slash SCGOP. I'm very excited about about Seattle. I've never been to Seattle before, so this is that's in in and of itself is awesome. And I get to see uh, Sam, of course. Plus, I get to see one Mr. J.R. Wade, which I'm very excited about. Um, and that's just like that's just among people I know, right? Uh, plus, plus, I also get to see. Well, I might get to see like Gavin and some other people I know. But then I get to. Uh, I don't know. Meet. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to meet some people that uh, that I haven't met in the Magic community. Like, uh, oh, I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of a pipe dream to hope that Morrow would stop by. But you know, any of those type of people, literally anyone who works at Wizards, I'd be excited to meet. Sure. So. I think last time we were there, uh, Max McCall was there. Um, Scott Larrabee, Eric Lauer stopped by and actually was in the booth for a little bit. Uh, nice. Trick Jarrett, uh, Gavin, Sam. You know. A lot of, I've also uh, got some. I've also got some okay sideboard features that I want to do that are like uh, with, for example, at Moxie MTG. I think is would be a cool sideboard mm, person to interview. Sure. Um, you know, so there's a bunch of people that I'm excited to see up there. That should be a fun event. Rob Alexander is going to be there, right? Oh, really? yeah! Wow! Yeah! So that's going to be sick. So yeah, that's all coming up this weekend. Uh, but for this episode, Cranny, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up right now? Yeah, so some pretty good stuff to talk about today. Of course, Star City Games Houston happened this past weekend in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, we're going to go through some of the standard results there because uh, we're kind of starting to see the metagame sort of hit the hit the, the sweet spot, I guess, 
where uh, there's, you know, we're, we're waiting for the new set to come out. It's kind of been solved. And so we're going to talk through, through some of that a little bit. Uh, then we're going to talk about the new set that's coming out, Dragon's Maze, which uh, we're going to talk about the naming of that set and also maybe what it implies from some of the small details we got from Watsi. And then we're going to review GP Chicago, some of the results there, maybe talk a little about a future episode that we have coming up. Um, and then also some of the chatter that was going on from that tournament. And then uh, finally, we're going to talk about a couple small topics, including uh, the MTG hashtag on Twitter, which uh, is in jeopardy being used by a network television show. And then also a little bit about Wizards participation in uh, talking about magic deck names. So all of those and more can be yours. Right now, low just, price of an hour of your time. Yeah, yeah just just keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Don't touch that dial. So, Joey, you were in Houston this weekend, so maybe you would be the best person to start the discussion on kind of what happened, what what, what went down this weekend. Anything? He was on. He was on Houston Street in Fort Worth. That's right. <laughs> I was going to say I don't know what happened in Houston. <laughs> I was in Fort Worth, which is, you know... Uh, well, the convention center is actually located on Houston Street, exactly. which I so, thought was hilarious. Yeah. Did I say so Houston? It was SCG, I think I meant to say Dallas, right? You, you did. You definitely it was. Houston. You meant to say Dallas. The event was in Fort Worth. The, the convention center was on Houston Street. Now, see, this is why. This is exactly <laughs> why it, geography is not logical and it doesn't make sense to me. I, I actually I always say I was the first person in line when they invented GPSs and you could buy them. I was yeah. the actual first person to own one. It cost me, I think it was like $9,000, um, and I had to special order it from Sharper Image, and the, the screen was the size of a 19-inch uh, CRT monitor <laughs> mounted on my dashboard. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, hopefully, I'm incapable of geography. Hopefully you didn't type in Houston when you were trying to get to Dallas, though. That's, that, that <laughs> I'm sure that's like a nine-hour difference. I, 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 I have no idea, no concept of direction or geography. Yeah, so Dallas and Fort Worth are pretty close to each other. So the event is Dallas-Fort Worth. The actual event occurred, as Ruben said, on Houston Street in Fort Worth at the uh, Fort Worth Convention Center. And uh, both sides of the tournament, both opens, the Legacy and Standard, were won, won by a blue-white deck. Mm. So it, it's, it was a very Azorius weekend. Well, there um, you go. So the, the blue-white deck... Uh, in- Providence. Yes, exactly. The blue-white deck looks like the deck we saw in the previous week from Prozac... Yes. Uh, from St. Louis. Yes, this is blue-white flash, as we're, uh, as we're referring to it, because you play at the end of your opponent's turn. Um, it's, it's, exactly what, it's exactly what I would expect Adam Prozac to play, um, mm-hmm. because unless you're just a stone-cold master, you're losing. So I, <laughs> it's just hilarious that this is exactly what I would expect him to play. But the deck is very good. I mean, it's it. I mean, it it put two decks in the top eight last weekend, um, or two weeks ago, as you're listening to this podcast, and and then it won in uh, Dallas. So it's got legs. Yeah, it's just one copy in the top eight went all the way through. Shane Remelt, who uh, also I believe either top eight or top sixteen in New Orleans. I uh, want to say he top eighted in New Orleans. He uh, mm-hmm. he was yeah he did he was he was playing the blue white red mid range that weekend uh, didn't didn't take that one down but still still had a fairly good showing in the uh, you know making it to the top eight and he just goes ahead and improves on that performance with the the flash deck so uh, yeah it, it was kind of uh, 
there, there was nothing too shocking this weekend. It was all, you know, the decks that we've been seeing over the past few weeks continue to kind of develop, uh, making a few changes here and there. We saw second place Jund by uh, William Yowell. He was uh, actually, once we got the t- to the top eight, the first through fourth players uh, after the Swiss were all eliminated in the quarter. Yeah, in the quarterfinals. So going into the semifinals, it was it was the fifth through eighth seeds that were continuing on, and that was three blue white decks and one John deck. Although the other two blue white decks were blue white red mid range. So, so I actually want to talk about blue white as an archetype because while it's kind of popped up in articles and we've seen a few top eights prior to St. Louis um, and some articles talking about how like Bant's really the best deck in the format. We haven't really seen it float to the top like we have here or um, where I get the most exposure to standard is actually just playing magic online, mm-hmm. um, doing daily events and, and eight mans and stuff. And, and blue white is all over the place. And I was, I was listening to game state and uh, the other night and Adam Prosak was on instead of Glenn Jones. And he talked about, you know, his logic for constructing the deck, how to play it and, and why he thinks it's so good. And he, he basically just said, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to play a deck that has access to a lot of counter spells. So he, you know, he started with a low number of essence scatters and sort of like kept bumping them up because they were so good. And their interaction with snapcaster and, and, you know, and then auger bullets just sort of like pinging away at your opponent. Um, and then in subsequently making your angels just so much more lethal. Uh, so just so much more valuable than if you're blinking just like, you know, Huntmasters and even Thragtusk because you have the counter magic to back it up. And um, so I think something that we're going to see from this for sure, I think, is a lot of decks are, are already playing main deck Cavern Souls. And I think we're going to see that go up even more, especially given that if you look at this top eight, it's mostly, you know, two color decks with a small splash of three color decks. But even those three color decks are perfectly capable of running, you know, a few copies of Cavernous Souls. So I would expect Cavernous Souls to be a really, really hot card uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, and we kind of touched on that last week a little bit, and I think it's it's going in that direction. We're going to see an increase in Caverns, which likely going to is going to mean a decrease in counter spells which is going to eventually lead to a decrease in caverns and an increase in counter spells so it's just going to kind of likely go back and forth but the the cool thing is i mean for i say cool for the uh, the people that want to counter creatures is besides uh besides angels there aren't a lot of overlapping creature types you know in in these decks in standard you see a lot of restoration angels sigarda host of herons and angel of serenity and then you have beast and I mean, there's occasional humans decks, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of times there's not even a single like with the, with the humans decks. You're almost like I just want a supreme verdict because they're trying to play multiple guys. You're going to get value out of every mass removal spell, countering one for one. You know, it's nice if you can do it, but I guess it's not you know as big of a deal. But mainly, it's just Cavern of Souls on Beast to make Thrag Tusks un- uncounterable, or on Angels to make Angels uncounterable. So there's not. Uh, I, I guess I don't think Cavern is going to be as backbreaking to these uh, these blue based control decks as as it could have been if say Zombies was one of the top decks and then just said okay now I'm already a top deck and now I'm going to play four Caverns and so you're never going to be able to counter anything. And, and Zombies is pretty much non-existent. I mean, we saw 
we one barely cra- barely cracked the top 32, right? I mean, I don't even think. Yeah, it looks like a Black Red Zombies came in 14th, uh, but we never saw it on camera. I, yeah. I didn't see it on camera. I didn't see a single Garoff's Messenger, I don't think, all weekend. I, I would honestly just blame Pillar Flame for zombies being bad again. Um, sure. I mean, so, of course, Syncopate it, um, is pretty good, but, like, you know, Zombies got more one-drops. It has the... Uh, the devil and, and, and grave crawler and those kinds of cards. Uh, so, I mean, it's clock got better, but I think the fact that pillar is so accessible and, in and, and, you know, green, white humans just has so many cyborg options too, between uh, the knight and a lead inquisitor that just completely stopped the zombies decks dead. And those decks are really popular. The green, white aggro decks are, you know, I would say they, they make up a pretty significant part of the, you know, the, the metagame right now. So, yeah, well, it's it's kind of it's pillar, and it's also the influx of mid range creatures. Most of the the creatures being played are just a little bit bigger, and half of them, or not half of them, but a bunch of them, just gain life when they come into play. Going, mm-hmm. oh, centaur healer right in front of your two power one drop, or you know, undoes the work that you already did, and now it's going to hold off one of your guys. And then if you try to kill it, I'm going to play Restoration Angel, and I'm going to gain three more life. And then the next so, time I'm going to play Thrag Tusk, and you're like, what do you do? One thing that I think that the zombies deck can do, which is, this is like really old tech. Um, I'm trying to think of what format this was. But basically, you would run Threaten in your main deck, and then have ways like Nantuko Husk or Reckless Abandon to be able to sack whatever you threaten. Yeah. And the other day, I had my Thrag Tusk threatened and then on his turn he bolted it which is like a pretty common interaction but it ended up making me lose the game and i wouldn't be surprised if zombies just said okay well we're just gonna be red black zombies we're gonna put like two to three copies of mark and mutiny in the main deck and we're gonna run um the sacrifice vampire aristocrat yeah yeah and like and, and it's also got kind of like interesting synergy with uh, not not aristocrat, but the vampire. I'm sorry, I'm so bad with this. Um, he's a one one for two. He's a guy. To, vampire. Blood from vampire. Um, in that he can kind of like machine gun make that guy gigantic. If you have a threaten effect, because sacking a tusk then sacking the three three. So if they happen to have a blocker for the the five power guy, you can just double sack and get an extra damage. Like I think that that's a, an actual real strategy that we could see come about. And it's also really aggressive, you know, being able to take Angel of Serenities and um, other various, you know, Creator of Behemoths and stuff like that that we're starting to see, that might be the kind of, the, just the kind of reach that Zombies needs to fight these mid-range decks. Yeah. I think one, an, an answer that I really like for Thrag Tusk, by the way, just to throw it out there, is uh, Essence Backlash. I think that's a hilarious answer to Thrag Tusk. <laughs> what is um, Essence Backlash? You don't know Essence two Scatter, color. obviously. No, that's well, Essence thing. Scatter also works, but um, there was a, I saw a Counterburn deck on camera when I was in... I forget where I was St. in. St. Louis, maybe? St. Louis, that's where it was. Um, it was on camera for like five minutes. It was very rough, but he was like 5-0 anyway, um, and he didn't have Essence Backlash. Essence Backlash is two colorless, blue-red, uh, common... Uh, notable card you wheel in Return to Ravnica Draft. Um, <laughs> counter target creature spell, Essence Backlash deals damage equal to that creature's power to its controller. Yeah. So, uh, when your opponent's expecting to gain five life, then they take five. That's quite good. Even if they, ha- like, in a pinch, it's not the best scenario in the world, 
uh, in a pinch, you can still target their Thrag Tusk even if they cast it off of Cavern of Souls to make them not be able to gain the life, untap and burn them out. Because often by the time that happens, they're at like five, and yeah. all you have to do is make them not gain five to be able to win that game. So sure. I think that that's an interesting option to go to where you can go like turn two Electromancer or something like that, turn three have Essence Backlash available, um, and play a blue red sort of flash deck. But that's that's a whole different deck. Um, sure, I also sure. wanted to point out that uh, Ad- uh, uh, Jerry Thompson has an article up on Premium today, <clears throat> today being when we record, uh, called Headlining Standard with Azorius, where he goes over the blue-white flash ver- uh, variant that, where it started with Adam Prozac, where he took it. Um, it. It shows you the different ways that you can go about building it, uh, various numbers of augers of Bolas. I think Jerry has three Snapcaster Mage, actually, instead of four. Um, so go go read that because you know it's Jerry Thompson. Why aren't you reading his articles? But um, it, does that mean we're probably going to see a shift pretty soon? That I mean, we've well, it's the shift that we've been wanting, which is basically to get sort of these mid rangey decks out of the format. But it, it, does that mean we're going to start seeing more red decks, more zombie decks? Because that that seems like a natural progression if these. You know, these silly uh, one three for two mana guys is the best that your deck can do, then I'm well, just going to Well, one three you. for two is real good against zombies. First yeah. <laughs> um, like, Lumen Grid Warden is real good against a Gravecrawler. But, no, I just uh, mean, like, if that's your main threat and you're not playing Thrag Tusk and you're not playing Geist, which people aren't anymore, like, right. I'm, I'm just going to, I can just race you now. Sure. Well, if, if the last three years of blue white tempo decks being the best deck in standard have taught us anything, it's that a red-black aggressive deck is usually the counter to it, right? Yeah. Like, red-black vampires was the thing that was able to keep, that was able to defeat uh, the Cawblade Menace. You know, red-black zombies last year was, was the, uh, the counter to Delver. So, I mean, I, that's probably where it goes. We have a lot of the same cards, so I, I don't see why not. The thing is that zombies just hasn't done anything yet. You know, mm. if Thragtusk is, if Thragtusk leaves, and the cards that surround Thrag Tusk leaves, because it's not just Thrag Tusk. It's more, I, I actually think it's more Centaur Healer that's mm-hmm. a problem for zombies than Thrag yeah. Tusk. Thrag Tusk is a great way to come back. Centaur Healer just stops the game cold and turns it into your favor. Right. Like, it lets you, you know. get to Thrag Tusk you don't, to the point where you're like. Yeah. Rakdos Cackler is so embarrassing compared to a Centaur Healer, let alone if you have a Restoration Angel. So, and that's another, obviously, another card. You know, when you put momentary blink on a fairy, you know, on, on, on Mistbind Click, <laughs> then you're, you're asking for trouble. Wizards wanted to have a playable uh, angel, and they wanted to have a playable dragon, right? So they're in standard now, and that's just a thing that's going to have to happen. They didn't necessarily need any more playable zombies. So I'm not sure how much help zombies is going to get going into the future when more sets are released. So it's a tough world for zombies, um, I feel for them because I am one of them, apparently. Um, <laughs> this but, week, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, but, you know, a red-black aggressive list, you know, Bump in the Night is still one of my favorite cards. Um, someday, that deck will win a tournament. I don't I mean, know it's that very deck good. Is. It is. It's absolutely great. I thought it was going to win week one. It probably should have won week one. Um, I don't know if if, uh, if the Joe Bernal... Was the Joe Bernal-Todd Anderson match from the, the, the semifinals on camera? I forget if it was. I don't remember either. Um, but Joe was probably should have won that match were it not for some timely miracles out of Todd, um, which, you know, 
it's a miracle. Like, what, 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 what do you want? That's what happens with that deck. So, that, that's a great. It's a great week one deck, and it's a great month like two and a half deck. Once the format devolves into such a thing that it's like, oh man, we can't win the Thrag Tusk Mirror. Let's go over the top. Well, we can't go over the top. Let's go over the top even more. Well, we can't go over the top even more. So now we'll underlevel people, right? And then they'll just keep going back and forth until the format is all gobbledygook. And then Zombies is just like, here are efficient guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Eventually, that's, that's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if, that, if that's going to happen in Seattle. Um, but we'll see. I, th- I think it's interesting to note There's- that uh, looking at the top eight of Dallas, there were only eight Thrag Tusks in the top eight. Just uh, mm-hmm. just four in Jund and four in the Reanimator list. So, you know, is it really as, as you know, bad as it seems? Because, you know, the whole tongue-in-cheek, or we at least thought it was tongue-in-cheek, I think some people are serious about ban Thrag Tusk. Uh, no, you don't have to ban a five-mana green creature. Right. Last year in Portland, there were no Delver decks in the top 16, right? So one tournament doesn't tell you anything. Sure. Um, and then, by the way, a Delver deck won states after rotation in uh, in uh, Oregon. Because uh, <laughs> Oregon's just a weird place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you have geographical tendencies for, for certain types of decks to get played. You know, the Ohio Valley region typically has a lot of aggro decks, Yes. Uh, most of the creature-based decks uh, tend to float to the top because that's what people play here. And I think that that's, you know, not having a bunch of Thrag Tusks is, of course, a combination of a number of decks that are coming to the format and a number of decks that are just kind of, you know, people are learning how to hate them out. I've been, I was on Freets for weeks. You know, I said, I think maybe in three or four episodes ago, that was the deck I built right when Return of Ravnica came out. Yeah. It's the first deck I, uh, you know, started grinding in the queues, and I and I played that deck. I probably played a hundred matches with it, and I won a lot of matches until people learned how to to play uh, the graveyard hate. And you might say, well, you know, rest in peace isn't really that good, but it is. It's a really good sideboard card against that deck, and when you can back it up with, you know, a, an aggressive strategy, you can kill me before I get my Thrag test or I get my Golgari charms to kill it. And uh, so I have to start like playing the one for one game, and and uh, and not just that. If you start playing, you know, dried militant and cards like that, and I'm talking about in the context of, you know, white based decks, which are, I mean, if you look at this this top eight or this top thirty two, white is the most. It has to be the most played color because it is, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. It's so so a lot of white decks have access to purify the grave, rest in peace, and those cards are really good. And so you that's why you don't notice a lot of reanimator. I mean, look at this look at this top thirty two. There's like two reanimator decks and a junk deck, and uh, and, and even that junk deck just really I wouldn't even really call it uh, a, re- a reanimator deck. So very very interesting shift that we see right now. I think uh, something I alluded to in the when we were doing hashtags is I think the format itself has found has found the control deck, right? So I think that's a that's a, a turning point. And I think we've also found ways to really combat the elephant in the room or the beast in the room. <laughs> and uh, I think that's that's going to really change. Hopefully, we'll, we'll change the way people are building their decks up and, and, and things because there's a lot of brewing to be done still, like a ton. I, I mean, just looking through my, my Moto collection last night with uh, my friend Riley, and we built up a couple decks, and it was pretty pretty cool what you could do with the card pool. 
Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, like you said, it, the format's definitely taken shape to the point where it's pretty defined, but that doesn't mean that you can't show up with some uh, some kind of wrenches to throw into people's game plans. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I'm playing four main deck duress now. It, Even, it's just... Think about, like, look at Prosac's list. That showed up nine days ago. You know, like, that's kind of a new deck. I know it's now been in two tournaments, but that's that's a deck that is actually not, was not, you know, three weeks ago in New Orleans, that was not a deck. So, so. actually, Joey, if you guys don't mind, I, I think this is a good transition to talk about uh, GP Chicago in that, you know, we have a really diverse top eight. There's, there's a lot of different decks here, but, uh, you know, one of the things that some people are saying is that it's they're diverse, but there's not a lot of innovation in the top eight. But I want to I want to talk maybe a little bit about some of these top eight decks because we saw a new deck that we hadn't seen before, and I think this is a really really cool subject. So I don't know if you guys have anything else you have to add about uh, Dallas. Um, nope. Move okay. on, sir. Let's let's go to Chicago. Go going to Chi Town. So uh, Grand Prix Chicago happened this past weekend. The topic was, you know, it was sort of a mix of amateurs and, and people that have had experience on the Pro Tour. But the decks themselves are really awesome. We have six uh, six unique archetypes in the top eight, including, I'm just going to scroll from the top and go down. Uh, Edgar Flores was playing a blue-white deck. It, we'll call it a control deck, but it has, you know, Snapcaster and Click, but it, it, it runs control elements like Wall of Omens and even Baneslayer Angel, which is... You know, a card that I haven't seen in a while. Then we have, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Alex uh, Mashleton. Yeah, there you go. playing uh, a robots build or affinity, which we will also talk about. And then we have this really cool Gifts Ungiven. Um, they They called it like a control deck, but I think this is essentially just the gifts rights deck that we saw at the very very onset of modern being announced a lot of people were playing gin taxis plus gifts ungiven plus unbarrow rights so, uh, so but this it's reanimator plus gifts ungiven so it's regifting yeah there i like that and then uh josh hutter layton playing uh jund a very similar build that, that we've seen probably a hundred times then we have david gleicher playing a tron deck which we have not seen in a very long time uh, take a top standing. Then Ryan Hove is playing Cord, another deck that's sort of fallen off the radar. Michael Simon playing Twin. And Jacob Wilson playing a Jun deck. But uh, the innovation here being that he's splashing Lingering Souls as opposed to trying to play Kitchen Finks or Giroff's Messenger. So Wait, I, that's I, a sh- I, I'd like to start the conversation off here. So turns out it's easier to splash. It's it's easier to cast a two colorless and a white spell mm-hmm. than a one green green or black 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 spell in Jund in this format, and you don't ever get punished for it ever, <laughs> ever not ever. There's nothing that punishes you for it. No one's playing like the the dragon stompy Magus of the Moon Blood Moon deck. There, no one's playing like Molten Rain. No one's playing Stone Rain. There's no like Magnavore, I guess, but uh, that that might be a little bit of a stretch. But there's absolutely nothing. Um, and I I just I can't stand that. 
that you can just be the greediest. Like, why aren't we splashing blue for some for Snapcaster Mage, guys? Yeah, you know, f- five colored. Let's junk. play Tribal Flames at that point. Five I mean, color mid range, John. Woo! Joe Ribbon, you joke about that, but that's what Ravnica's standard looked like at the very end of Ravnica's time in standard. I know, and that's why I was sort of like a little trepidatious when they reprinted the Shocklands because I was like, well. Well, you know what the problem is? Blood Moon just doesn't do enough. There's only three Blood Moon in this top eight, and then the only other hate card is Sewing Salt. But Blood Moon just doesn't do enough. I think yeah, Sewing Salt's only for Tron. Well, right, but in in, in yeah, you're probably not even going to bring that in against John. I guess you could bring it in if you you know if you want to hit the uh, the Manlands or something. But Blood Moon, I just don't think it does enough. I think if you I think if you catch your opponent off guard with a Blood Moon then they haven't done their job, right? Because yeah. by the time you get to have a Blood Moon go off, a number of Inquisitions can happen. Of course, yeah, the deck plays swamps and forests, so it can just abrupt decay it. It's just like, it, there's so many contingencies. And, and, and not only that, now it has access to a freaking Mana Bird in Deathrite Shaman. So how do you, how do you attack That's the true. best deck of the format that the only weakness it really has is that it's stone dead to non-basic land hate? When it's not stone dead to non-basic land hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It just isn't dead to non-basic land hate. Ban Festlands. Well, that's exactly you know, right. Uh, so I knew that's where Ruben was going with that, so go ahead, This Ruben. is exactly where we need to go. Look, uh, I'm, I don't care if I'm going to be the one who's going to get crucified for this, but it, something needs to happen where this, just, where this isn't Legacy Junior... Where Legacy decided to not have Wasteland or Force of Will, right? Because this is absurd. You can't just have the have everything in the same deck, good stuff deck, be the best deck in the format, right? Well, you know, Ruben, you uh, you are not the only person that has that. that no, I know uh, you're the one that came that up. Well, no, I mean we we've talked about it before. But John Finkel actually made a post. He said, and, and it's kind of funny because the top eight itself is so diverse. There's so much going on there. But he says, shocking, Jun, Pod, Twin, Blue, White, and Tron, and Affinity in the top eight of GP Chicago. Rogue deck, in, in quotation marks, is gifts. Hope they never play this format again. Now, I think that that's probably a little worse. But then he said, the format was doing from the start. He says they should ghettoize it, meaning they should just put it off on its own. And then alternatively, ban everything starting with the Sacklands. Yeah, Start and I have... And I, I agree. <clears throat> I have another tweet for you. <clears throat> that uh, Aaron Forsyth, Brian David Marshall, Nathan Holt, some other people were like, this is a really diverse format. I'm really happy with uh, with everything, uh, like how, how diverse this format is. And then Paulo responds. He says, well, the complaint isn't that there is only one deck. The complaint is play matters very little and sideboards matter too much. It almost sounds like legacy. <laughs> you know, like legacy cyborg cards tend to win matchups. Right. But you know what happened to legacy when that happened? That people stopped playing these glass cannon archetypes that just died to a single card. Like if you play dredge, you just have to be prepared to know you're dead to a Leyland the Void. And sure. I think you don't have that. You don't have that in modern right now, because it does it to to Jones. Yeah, there there isn't anything. And you know we have we have a a show in 
the chamber that we are going to be going over. We actually had somebody lined up to be a special guest today. I don't want to say who it is because I don't know if he'll be able to reschedule with us. But we are going to we we want to really dig into this. I'm actually curious what everybody thinks about the format because my perception is totally different than other people's perception of this format. You know, especially given that I've I've tried to run local events. I've participated in, in PTQs, and of course, you know, we have our fingers sort of on the pulse of the community, so we, we all get to see a different perspective, and my perspective is, in general, people are not embracing this format. That's my perspective. Well, as I, as I kind of said, I think, in a past episode, not too long ago, maybe two, three weeks ago, but uh, it, I was really excited about the format, and I feel like I'm losing, like, the uh, the wind in its sails that it had for me is just just kind of not gone, but it's really every event is kind of disappointing me. Uh, and obviously, uh, I, I guess these are just single events if you want to look at them individually. But I guess what I'm getting at is, if you look at the top eight here, and while it's not a single de- deck, while there are seven different archetypes in the top eight, two Jund and then five others. I'm um, sorry, six others. Um, you look okay. You see affinity. Okay, it's a deck that wants you to attack you with creatures, and then you see uh, you see Jund, and it's a deck that pretty much wants to just attack you with creatures. They might be bigger creatures. It has a few some removal, but it wants to attack you with creatures. Uh, and then you, you just see like a bunch of combo decks. You have Gifts Ungiven. You have Tron, which is really a, ta- uh, a combo deck. You have Birthing Pod. It's a, it wants to attack you with creatures and combo. It's a you know you, you have it's attack. Or combo, and then the one quote unquote control deck in the top eight has 19 creatures and 16 other spells. It, it, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so this is what passes for control now. You apparently need to have way more creatures than other spells, uh, or it, it just seems like this isn't this isn't really a control deck. I guess I guess it is, but it's a it's a rough definition of a control deck. I think so. All right, this is this is going to be kind of a stretch, and maybe I'm totally crazy here. But way back in the day, when Wizards split the ban restricted list from 1.5 and said, "Legacy, you're you're no longer going to be held down by the res- the vintage ban restricted list. You're going to get your own list." Then people kind of picked the format up. You know, the mat- the source was created. A lot of We'll say like pay, play, it was player supported. There was no support from wizards. There weren't PTQs, PTs, nothing. It was literally just a sanctionable format, and guys like to play it because they got to play dual lands. So what happened is you have this message board, and some random guy would build a deck with Dreadnought, and he'd say, you know, this this deck's called Enter the Fist, and then he and he gives his primer and he writes you know two thousand words about the deck, and then some guy takes it to a tournament and then posts back on the guy's thread, hey. I really liked Enter the Fist. That was a really cool deck. And then another guy makes a list about death and taxes. And he, you know, and he, he, he posts it and people say, hey, you're an idiot. This deck looks awful. And then some guy actually plays it. An event deck's made after it. I mean, the, the, the deck takes off. Anyway, you do this a hundred times. And, and people always make fun of Legacy for these awful deck names. But you know what Legacy has that Modern doesn't have? Adoption. People care about Legacy as a format. So what you have is these guys that get on a message board that build primers for the decks, talk about them, and then collectively they say, yeah, you know what? We're going to call a deck that has Flicker Wisp, Aether Vial, and Mangara of Condor. We're going to call that deck Death and Taxes. That's the, that's the deck name. It's not white mid-range, right? So the problem that I think with Modern is that there is no identity. There's, no, there's nothing that, that yeah, is endearing nobody identifies, at all. Nobody identifies themselves as a Modern player. 
People no. identify themselves as vintage. People identify themselves as EDH. People identify themselves as, certainly identify themselves as legacy and standard. No one identifies themselves as modern. Just like nobody identifies themselves. Oh, I'm a block player. That's that's yeah, my no, identity. No, it, it, but but it, it's just not endearing at all for for a player to want to come in and own this. And I think they even admitted that they probably shouldn't have started at the PT level. And I agree with that for sure. But I think you know we joke around about how the deck list naming on every Magic site is awful. And I think that that actually lends to the perception that a format is watered down or stale. If you have, if you look at a top eight and you just and you just look at it just at a very holistic view and say it's blue white, it's blue white, it's it's mid range, it's mid range, the format looks so freaking boring. But if you pull up a legacy top eight and it's not it's not any it isn't it's not like the decks are any different. Of course, there's more decks, but the same decks sort of float to the top. It just looks better. It just looks like it's got more character. It looks like it has more color. And Modern doesn't. Modern, these decks... I mean, I think Modern has a fundamental problem with like the card pool and, and, and the way that the, the cards interact with each other. But I also think not just that. It also has a character flaw. And I think if they don't resolve these, there's going to be some big problems. And that's, that's really what we wanted to talk about with, with our guests. And I think we'll go back and, and dig into that with them because I think... Um, I think it's a good subject, but like we really we could talk for for two more hours. But uh, Ruben, did you do you have anything to add to that? Because I, I well, I think that uh, the 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 nickname the the deck nickname discussion goes more towards standard as a complaint than it does modern. Modern, I I think actually is fine in terms of the names of the decks. Um, affinity notwithstanding, and actually let's let's talk about that real quick. Because this is the first time on Twitter that Wizards employees got involved in the deck name discussion this mm-hmm. weekend when they were discussing Affinity versus Robots versus Artifact Aggro versus... What I want is BattleBots. All right? <laughs> I've said it on the newsing. I've said it on Twitter. It picked up traction a couple times, then lost all its traction. Listen, call it BattleBots. That's awesome. I, I agree. I agree. I think or, that's, uh, that's really or Autobots. Fun. Autobots is also good. They're branded by Hasbro. It's a nice tie-in. So, but this is the first time that Wizards has actually gotten involved in the deck nickname discussion. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see their perspective on it. I I understand. Like the their argument is there are no cards in the deck that have affinity as a keyword, so it's not affinity. Thoughtcast. Right, well, okay, thought That's cast. like calling Jund Cascade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's true. And so that's a good argument. The problem is uh, Affinity is historically the the artifact aggro deck, right? That was the first real artifact aggro deck. I mean, it, if it wasn't the first, it was certainly the most well-known, notorious, uh, I guess. Uh, and so whenever somebody's playing a deck that's based around synergies between, uh, like, attacking with you know, a bunch of artifact creatures, I think it's just naturally going to be referred to as affinity. And I just don't think that that's something that, uh, I, I don't think that that's something that's going to be easy to change. Um, and I don't even necessarily disagree with someone calling it affinity. Sure. It doesn't have that in the deck, but, uh, besides Thoughtcast, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's still, you know, accurate in people's minds 
this was it, it's it's referring to an older deck, but it's it's that's kind of where so, it, where it comes from. I don't. Do you know what affinity's like? It's like Wizards got a tattoo of a girl's name on their arm. <laughs> yeah. And then started going out with another girl because they realized that. You know, you know, that is perfect. And that's, you know, they, they don't like the, the affinity mechanic. It was actually, it's a very contentious mechanic. It's, you know, it caused it, it, uh, pur- purportedly a lot of people to leave the game during that era and not play constructed because affinity was just such a, a monster and, you know, caused a lot of bannings through in multiple formats. So yeah, they don't want to be reminded of of the the mistake they made. I mean, it's but then the argument could be, well, we shouldn't call dredge dredge, right? Because dredge is also another thing that wizards absolutely hates. They you know they've admitted you pretty much every member of R and D at some point has said that's not magic. You know th- th- these legacy and vintage dredge decks just you know they only exist because players like to play them, but otherwise you know whatever. Yeah, I mean. So, one thing that I like about the, the what I, I forget who said it on Twitter originally. It might have been BDM, who said that like you take for for any given archetype. Let's for example, let's go with eggs, right? So, for any given archetype, there was the progenitor of the deck. There was the original eggs deck that had dark water egg and moss fire egg and all the eggs from Odyssey, and that was the engine to draw cards, right? And then you brought them all back with Second Sunrise. Eggs denotes an artifact combo deck that uses your graveyard and Second Sunrise with a lot of one-mana cost cantripping artifacts. That's what Eggs denotes. However, Eggs has evolved because different cards have come in and out of the deck to abuse Second Sunrise. You know, the Eggs left, Chromatic Sphere came in, Chromatic Sphere left... Uh, Chromatic Star came in, Elsewhere Flask came in, you know, uh, Open the Vaults came in, then left, mm-hmm. now Face Reward, right? So those, like, it's, it's always a shifting deck. But you still have a name that harkens back to the Egg's name. It's not called Eggs anymore. It was called Sunny Side Up for a while. It was, and now it's called Second Breakfast. You may not like the name Second Breakfast, but you know what? It harkens back to the original name, and it tells you the generation of the deck. Yeah, I think you know, that's a really good way to go with deck naming. It, I think, honestly, it was on the bridge, and they were talking about <coughs> deck names, and someone was saying that they just didn't want to memorize deck names. And like to me, that just seems like such a crazy argument when... I'm pretty sure that any player that plays in tournaments, you could name probably any card that's legal and standard, and they could tell you word for word from card type and possibly <laughs> even down to the artist what's on that card. So don't tell say. me yeah, you, don't you can't remember. remember that that solidarity is a blue, you know, based like you know legacy combo deck. And the only reason that uh, that you shouldn't have to know it is if you don't play the format, then don't pay attention to it. You. In context, it's never going to come up. No one's ever going to mention, you know, if they mention solidarity in a, in a standard article, it's because it's because they probably reprinted reset, and you should read about it anyway. Like I just, I think that that's such a cop out to say that, you know, if if these if these decks come about, if it's Geist based aggro, or if it's if it's a zombies deck, you know, a zombie combo deck, then call it something else. You have you have to you have to allow these decks to have their identity. 
and I, and I'm like a freaking broken record at this point, but <laughs> I, I honestly think that it, it, it's, it's a, it's a area of magic I think needs to be addressed because it is leading to the perception that we have stagnant formats. If all you see is these same deck names, even though they're totally different, it feels bad. It feels like you're not playing in a in a colorful format. You just feel like you're grinding the same decks against each other, and that's just not the case. In standard, that's not the case. Yeah, I think, to, for me, the, the argument against, or the argument for using names like blue, white, red, midrange, and, you know, boring names like that, I guess I just really haven't heard a good argument. It seems to be like it's for players can look and see what kind of deck it is. Well, they can also just click it and see what's in the deck. If no, one, that's what, not, no, no, no. The argument is uh, I want I, – I own this card and this card, and I want to – my style of deck mm-hmm. is a I, – I like playing blue-white tempo. I remember playing blue-white tempo back in the day. I had like Aphidians in my deck. And I enjoyed Abeyance. I wonder if there's anything like that. Let's type in, you know, blue-white tempo and see if anything comes up. And then blue-white tempo comes up because they don't find Cawblade decks. You know what I mean? So it just it, – it, it, it helps people find the decks because people don't – aren't like – I remember playing Ophidian and Abeyance. I wonder if, you know uh, – uh, I'm trying to think up of a clever nickname. For, for the Blue White Tempo deck, and I can't think of one. Snaps McGee! Let's look up Snaps <laughs> McGee and see if that's a deck name. And that's not a deck name, because you I don't, or it could be, but you don't know. I, I don't... I think that you're putting more value on the historical, like, I'll say, like, deck search feature than anybody finds any value in, because I'll tell you, 99.9% of my deck searches, like, if I want to build Legacy and I want to get some ideas, I'll go to a deck database... I'll type in Dark Confidant, semicolon, Days, semicolon, Brainstorm. Those are the three cards I want to play. I don't type in Dark Confidant Tempo or Blue Black Tempo because Blue Black Tempo, especially when you get into formats like Legacy and Modern, that definition, how are you getting your tempo? Is it going to be through you know port effects, wasteland effects? Are you getting tempo through tempo counterspells? Like, it's, not even, it's not even descriptive. Yes. Yeah, so we talked before the show that Bob the Builder was a deck that you know that existed back in Ravnica, and it basically was a control deck with Dark Confidant and Umaizawa's Jite. The idea being that Bob was sort of like the backbone of the deck, providing all these counter spells. But you also ran Jit, which you could randomly equip to him. But really, Jit was there to just destroy other equipment. Well, Bob the Builder that that perfectly encompasses what that deck is. But if you were to try to look that up in a deck database. If you put that like in a, if that top eight of the Star City event, you just call blue black control. But that's not what it is. <laughs> that's not what it is at all. And I just don't think that it's productive for us to use these old naming conventions or the, or these standard naming conventions because it, it doesn't it doesn't tell any information. And if you're talking about the difference between clicking into something or even just having a high level knowledge about what that archetype is, and you're saying players are too lazy. I'm I'm not buying it. I'm saying okay. Well, I don't care because this is this has got to stop. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of touched on it, Cranny. Like, I, if I want to play a certain card, I I search for decks with that card. Like, I want to play a Thunderbolt Hellkite deck. Look it up. You know, and you'll find that. You don't. It doesn't even matter what the deck is named. Uh, I think if I'm coming back to the game from playing it years ago, I'm not ever expecting to be able to go and you know and type in 
some old deck name and get a new deck that's using that same name. Like, I wouldn't even think... That wouldn't even come into my head. I'm like, this is a new game. I don't expect it to have the same decks as before. Maybe similar decks, but, you know, I'm going to look up... I'm going to probably look at top eights and click on lists, whatever they happen to be named, and see what's Mm -hmm. in them. Um, Or search for cards, like, that I want to play. And I think with the... As you mentioned, Cranny, it kind of does give the illusion of a more stale format when you have multiple decks with all being defined with the same name, blue, white, mid-range, and whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the end, I think we're taking away something that's valuable for and and instead, we're, like, the benefit of it is just so... It's not even that m- much of a benefit. I don't... I think you're taking away something fun and exciting about the game that's historically, over the years of, of this game... People have named decks very creatively, and taking that away, if for very for very little benefit, I, I just I don't like it. So, yep. I I think that the answer here is just do it. You guys go out there and and do it. You, we were talking about writing primers, for example. I don't see that many. I don't see as many. I should say people just going out there and being like, "Hey, this is my blog post." on a deck that I invented, and I'm naming it because it's my deck. There are many like it, but this one is mine, and I'm naming it. Um, and that's that's what they do. That doesn't happen anymore. I, don't, I, I, I did it what, two what weeks happened. ago. I did yeah, it. You, I mean, there are people that do it. I loved that deck name, by the way, Azorius Bastards. Yeah. Oh, I, my God. I think, Ruben, there's a the, – I mean, at the ba- most basic level, if it, if it's going to get adopted – then it has to be adopted at the higher level. Like it doesn't, that's like I said, that's why legacy, the only reason that legacy decks exist and their format is because they are, I hate to use the word legacy, uh, they're grandfathered in from the time when it was a community format. You know, this is, this is our format that, you know, we can call, we can call it, you know, uh, snaps McGee or whatever you want, but unless star city puts snaps McGee, even if a thousand people said, "Yeah, we'll call it Snaps McGee," if Star City says, "Ah, eh, no, we're calling a Blue White Midrange because it's better for our database," that's a that's a problem. Like that's that's Star City's issue to work out. They need to work that's, out their tagging. I completely because, agree with you, and I am trying to fight this monster. You keep from fighting inside. I am <laughs> I'll trying my best. I am the guy that. Well, I'm the guy that enters the too much information information, right? Um, I recently got junk to happen. Like previously, that was just green, white, black something, as opposed to junk something. So it's a progress. So there's some progress. There's some movement. It's 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 at best fluid, right? Yeah. At worst, it's just arbitrary that that we can't do this. But at best, there's at least some movement here. Um, so- and so I'm I'm trying my best, guys, but. I, I'm only one man. You have to. You guys have to write your senators. <laughs> your Azorius we'll, we'll senators. <laughs> so somebody wrote our mothership and said, "Let's see if you can create the uh, the most wacky set name that you can think of that players will probably not like." What would you come yeah. up with? And then they said, "Well, well, no, no, no. I, actually, I put it even better." The first thing I did when I saw this set name was tweet at Ruben and said, man, you're going to have a heyday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so the set name nice. is 
Dragon's Maze. That's right. Yes. What? Nice, hey, you guys. Blah. What? Thank you, thank you, wizards. I Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I there's so many things that I guess I, I wish that they could they would have done with this. I mean, they first of all they sandbagged it for, for a good forever. solid month yeah. longer than they normally would. Yeah, I brought and that then, up on 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 the uh, on SCG Live this weekend. I was talking to Cedric, and I'm like. Something seems weird here where we've got Return to Ravnica, we've got Gatecrash, we still don't have the third set name here, you know, almost mid-November. It seems really late. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, Sunday at midnight or Monday morning, we get Dragon's Maze. And I kind of, I wonder what, uh, here's just, this is just speculation. Um, I, I, I was, I brought that up on Saturday. I have a feeling that maybe me bringing it up, Wizards was watching and went, oh, crap, we better come up with something. They quickly put something together. Said, what, Dragon's Maze? There it is. Out the door. Oh, man. Yeah, that's uh... – kind of felt like they were up against a deadline and, and came up with something on the fly. Yeah, this sounds like – okay, so I'm, I'm going to start. We're going to go in rotation. Tell me what you th- when you heard Dragon's Maze, what you thought it probably should have been – like. When you thought of the name Dragon's Maze, like, what does that sound like to you? Because to me, it sounded like a, a free downloadable game on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it, it sounds like a really bad EDH card. Uh, originally, I thought it was like a cheap, it sounded like a cheap toy from like the dollar store, but I think uh, Paulo Vito Domitorosa said it sounded like a, a theme park ride, like a bad theme yeah. park ride. You know, or a like carnival. a little kid, like one of those. Um, yeah, like it just yeah, goes up. One of those, up and the down. little boxcar, like <laughs> tiny roller coasters. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what it is. It's like it's like a really bad theme park, like one. There's that, never a line for the Dragon's Maze. Exactly, or or at the carnival. It's like actually, it's so bad they can oh, just have little it tiny at one? the carnival. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, think that. By the way, to go on your, uh, your your card name thing, Cranny, I think that there's a strong possibility that Dragon's Maze is going to be a card in Dragon's Maze. Jeez. And that's like the band, ma- the, the the guy wearing the band t-shirt to the concert. That's <laughs> well, Conflux was in Conflux. That's the only other time it's happened. Uh, I, I don't know. I, to me, as long as the set itself is, is fun and it interacts well with the two existing sets and it's cohesive, I don't care what you call it. We've had worse names than Dragon's Maze, personally. Uh, it's It just doesn't... It seems very phoned in. But um, if you guys don't mind, I have one more thing I want to talk about quickly just because I think it's important to bring it up. Okay. And uh, it, it's mostly because on Twitter this weekend when they announced the top eight, uh, there was several... I, I will say several... But uh, a lot of people in my feed that were saying, oh, Edgar Flores, why are they even letting this guy on camera? And I just want to comment on it very quickly. I don't care if it's Edgar Flores or, or Jackie Lee or anybody who's had like a recent infraction or something that's happened to them. But the IPG and the, the punishment that, uh, that Wizards has for particular infractions and penalties and things like that, they're there for a reason. And, uh, and they have their stipulations and they have their, their length of time that they're legal for. And I just want to say that I think it's really not a good idea for us as a community to sort of double, like double punish somebody for what they've done uh, at a tournament. So, you know, Edgar, if you don't know, he was disqualified. Uh, he was uh, suspended. Che- cheating, uh, suspended for, for cheating. So I, I just wanted to comment and just say, I think that it's, it's not fair to double, to double punish somebody for that. 
And um, I just wanted to get that out there. I, I just, uh, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it was something that I was, it was, it was sort of aggravating me a little bit over the weekend reading the same tweets where it's like, all right, you know, I, I don't know Edgar. I mean, I've met Edgar and I've talked to him quickly, but I don't, I don't know him. Uh, but whoever it is, you, you can, people make mistakes. It doesn't just apply to magic too. You, you gotta, uh, you make mistakes, you learn from them and hopefully, or you hopefully learn from them and change your ways. And Edgar in this case had, uh, you know, made a mistake, was punished for it. He was a cheater in the past. Give him, give him an opportunity to not be a cheater in the present. You know, like just because you did something wrong once, that doesn't mean that that's who you are. Even six months later, it's not that much time, but it, I'm sure, you know, he's going to think twice about it after being suspended for six months, and hopefully, he's never going to cheat again. Give the person a chance to, to uh, just redeem themselves. That's all. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. I, I have a slightly different opinion. <clears throat> First of all, the first thing I want to do is when it happened, I tweeted that I wanted Edgar to win just for the sake of the newsending joke. <laughs> After that happened, I received a lot of texts that were – or not texts, tweets that were hate on Edgar. And I retweeted some of them, and I shouldn't have, and I took down those tweet, retweets immediately. And I, I feel really bad about that. Um, so if anybody on here knows Edgar – I'm sorry. Let him know that I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not out to get him. Um, but it, it, it was, they were funny to me at the time and, you know, nothing ever dies on the internet. So I'm sure <laughs> saw that I retweeted them, but, uh, I, I will stand by the fact that had he won, I would have had some fun time on the news and thing. Um, but I'll just have to use all that extra time on dragon's maze. So <laughs> my point here would be this, which is yeah, he's served his time. Sure. Um, I'm not, I personally am still not ready to accept him fully back into magic society. Much like it's tough to get a job after you've been in prison, so too is it going to be tough to earn the trust of the people in the magic media after you've done something like this on, and he was suspended for things he did on Star City Games Live. And that's my house. He came in, it's my house now. He came into my house and he did something dirty and he got caught and was punished for it, but and society deemed that that was six months. I am not ready for that to be over yet. Um, that might just be me holding a grudge and I'm sorry. But I'm, I, I can't fully hold on. With that said, he is a very talented Magic player. Um, he proved that again, this time on the Grand Prix stage. He had a hilarious tweet afterwards. I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter. I do. He had a hilarious tweet afterwards that said, the robot is back online, and it had a little robot <laughs> head. It was awesome. Nice. I favorited it for a little while. Um, and so... You know, I I have nothing personally against him. No, no, and it's I just I'm I'm not I'm not ready to accept. It's going to take me a little while. Go ahead, Cranny. I was just going to say again. I, I don't necessarily think that it's it's Edgar. It could have been anybody. Could have been you know Bertini coming back or 
or anybody who, who has been sort of in the limelight had a, a very public suspension and, um, you know, it, it's okay to, to like under your breath, be like, yeah, that guy's a jerk or, you know, he, he doesn't deserve to be here, whatever. You can have your own opinion. That's not, I'm not here to tell you you can't have an opinion. I'm just saying when it's, when it's public, I think that, um, you know, it, it just has a little bit different context. And I think he's going to, he's going to have to weather the punches. I mean, if you want to play the big boys, he's getting worse flack than a few tweets. You know, he's got a lot of friends that he has to earn his tr- their trust back. And, you know, yeah. he's got an uphill battle. And, and I guess for me, I want to make it. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to help him out. You know, like I, I think that everybody deserves a second chance and you know, I don't want to look like a sucker either. So I, you know, I'm kind of a skeptic too, but yeah, I think um, it's fine. It's fine to be wary. And I think that's kind of like, that's natural. I, yeah. I think the, but to just kind of publicly, uh, just spew vitriol, I think is, is kind of, uh, that's, that's where I think may, maybe you just want to hold back a little bit, give, give him a chance. I don't I, I see all the, you know, I see Ruben's side of it. And yes, I think I'd, I, I sort of feel the same way to some extent that Ruben does where you don't want to see him come back and do it again and you keep an eye on him. But you don't need to like walk up and punch him in the face as soon as he walks into an open series. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're a jerk. Oh man, I'm really not going to cheat. I'm going to get punched in the face. When I, I would go to also the- say yeah. that um, among people who've been filmed on camera playing Magic, Edgar Flores has probably got top five numbers of minutes on camera, and so it's a lot easier to go back and look at past instances of shadiness, right? Yeah. Than than perhaps other than perhaps other people and more than he deserves. So that's another aspect here that I'm willing to accept. Um, but I'm still I'm still on the fence. If Sam were here, he would he would cite a, a, a several dozen examples. I'm sure of when cheating was a part of Magic's rules. Yeah, and uh, so people used to play test that. cheating. <laughs> That's so not a I'm good draw eight cards. Yeah. <laughs> you have to uh, you have to get through my lick and stick and yep. uh, and my card in my lap, and then um, we'll, we'll if you can do that, then you should be able to top eight this PTQ no problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Kind of. I have one. Of, I have one last prediction. I predict that spew vitriol will be in Dragon's Maze. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, thank thanks, Ruben. I, I hope that's the case. That would be that, uh, that'd be awesome. That, I would. Ha- it would have to be like a new pet card of mine. I hope it's blue. It doesn't sound very blue. No, it's pretty. <laughs> Black, black, maybe black, red. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not Rakdos in this set, so maybe it's sure. in. Uh, maybe oh, wait, it's wait. in Dragon's Maze. Yes, it has to be <laughs> yes. in Dragon's Maze. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this weekend, of course, is SCG Seattle. Ruben will be there, so check that out. Either Can in I say Seattle. hi, grab some tokens. Yeah, I gave away a bunch of tokens this weekend. Uh, shout out to all the people in Dallas that I met. Very cool. Uh, you guys have anything to add? No, just uh, any any additional contest winners. Keep sending your stuff to the Ink Attention uh, mail account, and I'll probably get. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get that stuff sent out this week. So, but make sure you send over your address and contact information to, to which account? Uh, Ink Attention Magic at Gmail dot com. There we go. All Be sure right. to also like the Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Um, also, new newsening on Monday. We got some good stuff lined up. I've also got some good interviewsings coming up for the next Invitational. Uh, next month's going to be a fun time, so, uh, nice. so stay tuned for that. Awesome. Well, then, until next week, we are in contention.